0: Most people do not realize this, but a priest makes his promises of prayer, obedience, and celibacy for the first time at his diaconate ordination, which is usually a year before he is ordained a priest. The months leading up to the diaconate require a great amount of prayer, because it is the diaconate that locks a guy into the vocation for life. Thankfully, as is true for all the men who go to Mundelein Seminary— I was able to spend nine weeks in the Holy Land during this crucial period of prayer, allowing me to experience some incredible intimacy with the Lord. My most important experience in the Holy Land came on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, on the exact spot described in our Gospel today. As I read this Gospel... On the same beach where Jesus cooked fish and spoke with Peter, I had an inescapable feeling that Jesus was addressing these questions to me. Do you love me? he asked. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, I replied, standing exactly where St. Peter stood. And the Lord's response was inescapable. Then feed my sheep. What else could I do except submit to ordination? It was there on the Sea of Galilee that the Lord confirmed my vocation one final time. And since that day, I have never doubted that it was God who called me to the priesthood. So, of course, in God's providence, it would be this gospel one of the most important and meaningful Gospels of my entire life, that I would get to read on the weekend when I have to tell you that the Archdiocese will be assigning me to a new parish on July 1st of this year. Specifically, they will be making me the administrator and eventually pastor of Assumption Parish in Bellingham. I can tell you that for a whole host of reasons, I am thrilled about being assigned to Assumption. But this is not because I have any desire to leave the Skagit Valley. The thing about feeding Jesus' sheep is that you go wherever the chief shepherd sends you. When I got the call two years ago that I would be assigned here, I had never stepped foot in Skagit County. But I came anyway. And I realized how incredibly blessed I was to have this be my first assignment. The people here are... Collaborative, supportive, and loving. Priests often face a lot of resistance in their ministries, but here the feeling of a shared mission is palpable. Thank you for giving me such a beautiful start to my priesthood. I am also able to announce today that I will be replaced by Deacon, soon to be Father Ben Brain one of the three men being ordained in Seattle on June 22nd of this year. Deacon Ben is a personal friend of mine, whose energy and zeal are infectious, and you are so lucky to have him. I have no doubt that our communities will welcome him and love him just as much as they have welcomed and loved me. Though I will miss the Skagit Valley, the hardest part for me about this move is that I know that it hurts our communities to have a revolving door of priests. I have heard about this hurt from so many people over the last two years. The core of ministry is relationship, and it is painful to have to start a new relationship with a new priest every couple of years, even and especially if those priests are excellent. In a normal situation, the regular coming and going of vicars does not cause this much pain because the pastor is a long-term, stable presence and people are able to have their deep and meaningful relationships with him. Unfortunately, in a cluster situation like ours, the pastor is stretched in millions of ways. So despite Father Martin's and now Father Tom's best efforts, our parishes feel the need to rely on their vicars for a lot of things that pastors often provide. And vicars move frequently, and the cycle of pain continues. As much as I want to, I cannot stop the cycle. But I can let you know why it keeps happening. This is not going to be a feel-good homily, But please know that it is a loving homily. Because I love you, I want you to know the truth, even if it is ugly. In 2015, our diocesan demographer published a white paper outlining historical trends and future challenges for our diocese, specifically in reference to the number of priests available. What struck me most was the fact that in 1995, we had 135 parishes, and each of these parishes had its own pastor. Twenty years later, we had grown to 146 parishes, but had shrunk to 114 priests who were able to be pastors. That means that 32 of the smallest parishes in the diocese have had to cluster with larger neighboring parishes, Just so that they can have a pastor. And we have three of those smaller parishes in the Skagit Valley. The good news is that we are not alone. We are not being singled out, punished, or mismanaged. There are 29 other parishes in this diocese living the same reality. The bad news is that things are not going to get better. The demographer estimated that this gap would grow to 40 parishes without a pastor by 2025. And extra priests will not be coming to the Skagit Valley. Our parishes contain about 1.6% of the total population of the Archdiocese of Seattle, which is about the percent share of available priests we currently have assigned to us. So we should expect one pastor and one or two ever-changing vicars to be the long-term reality. Remember, vicars are not pastors for a reason, be it age, experience, or administrative capacity. And vicars will always be short-term assignments. When we rely on our vicars to be pastors, we set ourselves up for heartbreak. I should emphasize, of course, that our present crisis involves more than just priests, The number of Catholics who go to Mass and are engaged with their faith, relative to the total population, has plummeted in the last few decades and continues to nosedive. Our Church is shrinking and will continue to shrink as our society becomes more and more ambivalent about and hostile toward religion. Given this reality, what are we to do? Anyone who has spoken with me about this knows that I personally support merging our communities. Considered together, our parishes have healthy mass attendance, good volunteerism, and strong financial giving. But like armies throughout history, we severely weaken ourselves by fighting on multiple fronts. Consider, for example, that our total budget over our four parishes is about $1.5 million annually. That number sounds huge until we realize that we have to maintain buildings on five different campuses and we have to pay for four different sets of office staff. The same principle holds for finding liturgical coordinators or faith formation teachers. We have the generous people, but we are splitting them up four ways. And the same principle holds for the priests. Having to do everything four times. Does not leave them very free to be present to people or enter into relationship with them. I know that merging our communities would be very difficult in the short term, but I firmly believe it would give us an incredibly strong foundation for the difficult decades ahead. St. Charles has an interesting opportunity in this regard. As pastor of Assumption, I will be advocating strongly for a Catholic high school to be built here in Burlington an idea that I know many people and priests in the Northern Deanery support. If our community wanted to honor the dedication and commitment of our parishioners over so many years, while also merging with other communities for the long-term strength of Catholicism in the Skagit Valley, we could voluntarily decide to give these buildings to the new high school to serve as its chapel, cafeteria, and offices, Make no mistake, the demographics and societal trends are not on our side. So if we are eventually forced to merge, becoming a high school might give us a way to do so with our heads held high. Now, that said, I know that St. Charles has a different culture than our other parishes, and that our parishioners love that culture and do not want to risk losing this culture in a merge. If, then, we want to fight for the existence of our parish, we have to undergo a radical change of culture. Even with Father Ben coming, we have to learn to run this parish as though we do not have a priest. What do I mean? In general, a priest leads a community by discerning its needs and acting to address those needs which means that the priest requires the freedom to jump into whatever aspect of parish life most demands his attention at any given time. If the greatest need is youth ministry, the priest must have the freedom to find youth ministers. If the greatest need is physical space, he must have the freedom to fundraise. The more ministries that rely on a priest in order to function, the less the priest is able to address the big-picture needs of a parish. Preaching, saying Mass, hearing confessions, and visiting the sick are all, of course, things that only a priest can do. But in addition to these responsibilities, St. Charles currently, currently relies on me to coordinate the Faith Formation Program, the youth group, the Pastoral and Finance Councils, our bilingual liturgies, our liturgical coordinators, and to get involved in a lot of building maintenance issues. I am happy to serve my parish in these ways, But it does limit me. If a more pressing issue presented itself, I would not have the freedom to disengage from my current ministries in order to address it. Which means that, if we want to show that St. Charles is a sustainable community that deserves to remain a separate parish, we desperately need someone to coordinate our faith formation program to chair our pastoral council, to facilitate communication between our liturgical ministries, to help with the youth group, and to coordinate handyman work around our buildings. If we cannot find coordinators for these roles, your priests will continue to be stretched too thin to address the many difficult challenges of the upcoming decades. There are a few parish ministries that run themselves very well already. To give you three examples, the landscapers, the Guadalupe Pasadas and retreat ministries, and most of our liturgical ministries. I can trust that these ministries will just happen, with or without me, and that is a huge gift to me and to our parish. But then, but in the next two months, we need to ensure that every ministry has a plan to take care of itself, so that Father Ben has the freedom to live out his gifts, rather than being constrained by ministries that he is personally responsible to keep running. So, if you are already dedicated, if you are already a dedicated volunteer, would you consider stepping into a leadership role? The priest may be the shepherd of the parish, but he is far more effective with a team of sheepdogs. And if you do not currently have a ministry in our parish, would you consider giving an hour or two of your time each week to our ministries? My current volunteers are stretched thin and risk burnout. They need more support so that they can lead. This is a team effort, and we really do need everyone on the field. Okay. I've said what I needed to say, and I have given you my honest read on our present and our future. Because I love you. And because I love you, I also want to leave you with this. I am so grateful to God and to you for my time here. Parish priesthood does not make sense apart from the people. And it has been an incredible blessing for me that you were the first community of people I was privileged to love as a priest. May Jesus, the one true shepherd, continue to bless us all as we strive together to feed his sheep.